The following audio is from Deering Christian Church. Join us Sunday mornings at 10.15 or check us out at DeeringChristian.org. Alright. Does anybody want ordinary children? I, I just cannot remember a time where Jen and I sat at the kitchen table and we drank coffee and we're just like, you know, I just want them to be so, I just want them to grow up and just be ordinary, you know? Now, there were a couple of times when they were making messes, okay, or drawing on the walls or eating stuff off the floor that were like, you know, I just want them to be ordinary children. But that was a, like a different type of conversation, okay? Um, what is an ordinary child, anyways? What is an ordinary child? Um, these words come to mind when I think of ordinary, average, the norm. Average, the norm. Uh, The goal of any parent, I want my child to be as average as possible. No, no, that's, I I don't think that's probably what you're saying, you know. Think about grades, think about school, thinking about sending them out to, you know, sports or whatever. I just want them just to be as average as possible, just C's all the way across the board. We're just shooting for C's, D for diploma. You can do this, okay? I got faith in you. Um... No, what about as a coaching strategy? Think about that. Um, coaching strategy, we choose these players. We're just trying to get the most average players we can get to join our team so that we can, we've can. we scouted them, and we just want to pr- produce the most normal, average athletes that are possible. That's what, that's what we want for our program here. That's a lame program, and I guarantee you that no superstars are going to sign up and want to go to that program. Not when the goal is down here. Okay, They want to be pushed. They want the goal to be up here. God calls ordinary people to do extraordinary things, and we see this right in Christ's calling of the disciples, right? He chose very, very ordinary people. We know that. I love talking about it because he chose fishermen, and I like fishing, okay? But he chose fishermen, he chose tax collectors, and throughout his word, he chose people. He ordained people. His spirit rose up inside of ordinary people to do extraordinary things. That's the people that he chose, and I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful that he didn't go, that Jesus didn't go to the temple and call only the elite, but he went to the workforce, and he called the ordinary, the spiritually ordinary. So, is anybody here, you desire to be extraordinary? I mean, that's like a real question. You don't have to raise your hands and be all like, giddy about it right now, because the rest of us might be like, oh, okay, you want to be trying to be something special, I got it, okay, Uh, but is there any part of you that wants to be extraordinary? Spiritually speaking, that's where we're headed, okay, is there a part of you that that desires to be spiritually extraordinary? Um, The next 12 weeks, we're going to be in this for 12 weeks, okay, so you just get comfortable today and just start nestling right down into, this is what we're going to be working on. The next 12 weeks, we're going to be looking at spiritual disciplines. Uh, Spiritual disciplines are like, okay, we go to the gym. Mark, I went to the gym one time. I really want to go back, okay? I really want to sweat and work out and get in better shape. I really do. And I guarantee you that the workout plan that you give me, I know it's going to prove results. I just, I'm approaching wanting to be extraordinary in that realm of my life. I am, okay? It's just, I'll get there someday. But I know, it, I know, I know that it proves results. I know it does. So do the spiritual disciplines. If there's a desire in you to grow from ordinary to extraordinary, if there's a desire in you 
to grow closer to God. That's what the spiritual disciplines were about, okay? Now, let's make this clear right up front. The spiritual disciplines do not earn our salvation or earn our way into heaven. We need to be very clear about that right up front, okay? That's Jesus, Jesus alone, his grace, his forgiveness. You, don't, you can't do nothing about that, okay, except for reject it. If, that's, if you don't want nothing to do with that, and I'm sorry, we'll pray for you, okay? But uh, we don't, the spiritual disciplines are not about us earning our way into heaven. The spiritual disciplines are about us growing, okay, us growing closer to God through spiritual exercises, just like going to the gym. It, they will prove results. Um, <clears throat> here's a, a list I put together of what spiritual disciplines are and are not as we continue to look at this. Spiritual disciplines are and are not. They are not about saying. Spiritual disciplines are about doing. Okay, Spiritual disciplines are not about saying. Spiritual disciplines are about doing. They take time and and are considered the endurance workouts of saints. They take time. Let that digest in there for a second. They take time, okay? Um, We don't simply come to the cross. Now, I know that's not a simple task. We don't don't come to the cross. We don't don't make a commitment to, to be baptized, to make a commitment to begin to follow Christ and automatically just morph into this, into this saint, okay? Our spiritual maturity didn't go from nothing to a average, okay, in an instant. It doesn't happen like that. It takes time. But, you know, we're a people that I like to microwave my food, okay? I'm hungry now, okay? <laughs> I know it'll taste better slow-cooked, but I got stuff to do and places to go, and I need it now, okay? I'm falling out over here. And sometimes in our, in our walk with God, like I feel like that's where we're at. We're like tapping out, and we're needing help now, and we, we, we start into these things, and we're like, whoa, you should have went to the gym a long time ago, okay? I'm not judging. I'm just saying. Like it's long past due. Now there's a lot of work to do. Spiritual disciplines take time. They just take time. They help us form habits so that in clutch moments of life, we'll respond correctly. That's a big part of what the spiritual disciplines are. They help us to form habits so when life get here, here's here's something for you. If you didn't know this, the wheels are going to fall off at some point. Okay, they just are. Life is going to be difficult at some point. If you're not in a season now, praise Jesus. You should be celebrating, eating steak at night, smiling at your family, and saying life is great. Because you don't know what the next season of life has in store for you. You you, you really don't. And the wheels are going to fall off at some point. They just are. They're not a quick fix. They're not a quick fix. You might feel a little better tomorrow. But the spiritual disciplines, they, they form habits over time. And the real results are, I'm not even going to say 30 days. I'm not, I'm not going to say that. I'm going to say you're going to be closer to God in 30 days. There's going to be a difference. But I'm saying like 10 years, 15, 40 years. I mean, where do you say like, you know, like if you go to the gym and you're looking, you're measuring muscle mass and you're getting to a point and you're like, that's what I wanted. I've arrived, you know. I, I don't think I've ever heard anybody talk about their walk with God and the pursuit of righteousness in that t- sort of manner. Like, I'm there. I've arrived. I can be taught nothing else. I float as I walk, okay. 
nothing. Um, there are means of seeking God and allowing His Spirit, the Holy Spirit, to form and transform us. Okay, we don't we don't form and transform ourselves. We seek Him, and His Spirit, the Holy Spirit, forms and transforms us. That's Him. Okay. You don't, you don't make yourself more righteous. Only God makes us more righteous through seeking him through the spiritual disciplines. That's what they're there for. This is a way of lifestyle that, li- that was lived out by the saints. This is a lifestyle that was lived out by Christ as he modeled it here on earth and taught it one-on-one with his disciples. Um, they're us trying to follow God, not us inviting God to bless us and be part of our lives. You get that? The spiritual disciplines are not about us saying, God, would you like to come on this adventure of life with me? This is going to be so fun. He's like, no, I'm not interested. I'm trying to do a thing here. Do you want to be part of it or not? But so often we approach the cross and we approach the kingdom with a completely different mindset. It's about me. And I'm the one on the, I'm the one seated on the throne. And Jesus is simply not interested in following you or that. He's called us to something much greater than that. The fake it till you make it spiritual mentality is very, very real, okay? And some Christians fake it, and some Christians make it. And I want to talk about that for just a moment. We, we make a decision to follow, and we make a decision to commit, and guess what? It gets hard right out of the gate. Right out of the gate, it gets hard. What do you do when you don't fully understand something? What do you do when you don't fully know how to do something? Kind of muddle through it. Kind of just, okay, this is kind of, let's look around like, what's everybody else doing? Okay, okay, this is what we do. Hey, how are you? You know, <laughs> you, right? Oh, this is what we do. You just kind of look around, pay attention, just try to. You know why? Because there's a lot of pressure. I'm not even saying like faking it in the beginning is anything wrong. I'm saying there's a lot of pressure. You don't want to look like an idiot, right? Like, I don't want to be like, I don't want to stand out and look dumb. I don't want to like, I, I want to figure this out. And, and so, don't, don't, you know, I'm not saying that the fake it is like, now I'm not talking about like full on yet, but follow me. Extreme amount of pressure for us for some reason when we decide to give our lives to God and commit to baptism and repentance. I pray that I pray that this place, okay, is a place where we can help one another make it, okay, where we can help one another make it, and we're patient with one another just as God in heaven was patient with us, and He's still patient with me, and I'm so thankful. Uh, we don't we don't want to be embarrassing. We don't want to embarrass others, okay. There, there, was a, there was a part in, in my walk where I, 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 I started Bible college a week after really giving my heart to God, okay? I, I didn't understand that there was more than one book in the Bible. I thought the Bible was the book, okay? That's embarrassing to your good Christian friends. So I shut my mouth and was just like, oh, yeah, 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 I knew that, you know? <laughs> I'm, you know, like trying to figure this out for a second. Here's the deal, though. We can only muscle through so long. You know that muscle through term, right? Just grit and bear it. 
That's a manly thing, right? It's difficult, but I'm just going to hunker down and I can do this. Here's the thing with muscling through. It don't matter how big you are. It doesn't matter how strong you are. Uh, fatigue, stamina, exhaustion, it's all going to come into play. And then guess what? You're going to cramp up and you're going to end up in the water on American Ninja Warrior. That's what's going to happen, okay? And everybody's going to say, so close, he didn't make it. He didn't make it this time. See, the difference between faking it and making it is sometimes we're, we're learning to walk and it's okay. But if all we do is learn to fake it, what we've done is we, we haven't looked at any of the spiritual disciplines, we haven't put them into practice in our life, and following God is not really part of my life. Just saying I'm a Christian is, is all I'm doing. Making it, okay, is not at a point of arrival. Making it is at, is at a point of I'm learning how to grow in my relationship with God. I'm learning how to seek Him. I'm learning how to put Him first. I don't know if that's clear, but it's as clear as we're going to get right now. Let's continue on. I believe that this, in, in this model right here somewhere is where spiritual frustration happens when we are faking it and we really want to make it. Like, I really, really want to make it, okay? And then something difficult happens in life where I lose my cool or my attitude or, or whatever, you know? And, and my faking it shows up, okay? My faking it shows up and I'm frustrated because I really want to make it. I do. Here's the problem. I, I think sometimes we just don't know how. Like, we just really don't know how to make it. We don't know. Or, here's another possibility. Maybe we don't have the tools. And that's why we're focusing what we're focusing on for the next several weeks. It's, you got to have the right tools. Any good mechanic knows that, right, Joe? you got to have the right tools. That stubby little ratchet you had, I'd have busted my knuckles for hours trying to do what you did with that thing, you know? And you're like, yeah, you need this one, you know? Because any, any good mechanic knows that the right tools make a big difference. They make all the difference. You're actually going to get this job done and not tear stuff up. All right, here we go. Hapatasso. It's the Greek word for submission. It means under or to arrange. It means under or to arrange. It's most widely used as a military term as an order underneath. Okay? What we're going to be talking about for the remainder of the day is this word, submission. Submission. It's a big word. We go a lot of different directions with it. The Bible speaks of submission. You know, I was like, whoa, this is like... This, I, and then, you know, it's like, okay, we got to narrow this, narrow this down here and keep this in the context of spiritual discipline. Richard Foster says that biblical submission as a spiritual discipline is this, to submit to the proper people in the proper ways and to fight against the sin of pride. To submit to the proper people in the proper ways and to fight against the sin of pride. Uh, for some reason, I personally, I don't know about you, I associate the word submission with giving up or surrender, right? Nothing very manly about that, I'm giving up, you know? No, but I think, I think our, our, the word submission, we need to like, put it in a different place in our vocabulary and realize that like, we've, we've kind of made it like this sissy thing. And let's take it out of that category for a moment. And let's, let's think about it in this new light that, we're, that I hope that we, that we are able to see it in now. Um, 
godly submission, and, and, and I hope that you hear this, because this, this is what I want, this is what I pray is clear today, um, is, is this. Godly submission can be summed up by letting go of pride, okay, and living in obedience to God. Godly submission can be summed up in letting go of pride and living in obedience to God. So, let's get there, okay? Three questions. Three questions. Number one is this. Why is submitting to God and allowing Him to lead my life by His standards so difficult? These are real questions. I want you to ponder this for a second, okay? Why is submitting God and allowing Him to lead my life by His standards so difficult? Number two. Is your pride standing in the way of you growing closer to God and becoming righteous? You say it again. Is your pride standing in the way of you growing closer to God and becoming righteous? Number three. Is being obedient to God important to you? This is a very serious question, church. Is being obedient to God important to you? If it's not, You're not going to like the rest of what we're going to talk about today. You can go ahead and check out. Get your phone and get on social media because this is, we're going somewhere, okay? Um, Question number one. I want to talk about that question for a moment. That question was this. Why is submitting God and allowing him to lead my life by his standards so difficult? I want you to know straight up, okay, this is coming from the inner workings of this person. I'm struggling through this and working through this just as I'm proclaiming it, okay? But I 100% to believe it to be true. Question number one says, for many of us, we have faith and trust issues. We have faith and trust issues. That's why it's difficult me to allow God to lead my life. I got trust issues. I got faith issues. If faith and trust are issues that you deal with, do something about it, okay? Seek to grow those parts of your walk with God. Seek out the information. Seek out the answers. Don't just stall out right there. If you stall out right there, spiritual maturity will never begin to form in your life. You are stalled out, okay? The motor is not running. Uh, we live with anxiety and pressure to make the right decision, the right decisions in life. And even when we are praying about it, it doesn't feel like much joy is happening. That's real, right? Like, I struggle to make the right decisions. I want to make the right decisions in life. I want to make the right decisions when I buy anything, when I buy a home, when I buy a car, when I, you know, juggle the bills and decide what to pay first, when I, you know, like, what, whatever it is, Like, I struggle to make the right decisions in life. I do. Sometimes it produces a little anxiety inside of me. What commitments to make? What things to say no to? Who am I going to offend? How is this going to affect? Whatever. Like, all those things. But we are some prideful people, you know? Like, we are just some prideful people. We get set in our ways, and we say this about old folks, okay? No offense, old folks, because I don't feel like I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something here. We say that about some of older folks, but here's the thing. Younger folks do it too. 
We have a way of doing things, and that's how we want to do it, and we don't want to change. It's true about people. Don't be pointing your fingers up and saying, well, it's this, these older folks. No, it's us. We're some prideful people. We have a way of doing things, and that's how we want to do it. That's how we expect it to be done. Uh, we see comfort and happiness over righteousness. Think about the last several big decisions that you've made. How did you get to the result? Was you pursuing comfort and happiness, or were you pursuing righteousness? Like, what what was be, you know what was like the determining factor in however that decision worked out? We let our gut lead us. Proverbs sixteen twenty five says that there's a way that seems right to a man. In the end, it leads to death. When we allow our gut to lead ourselves. It's going to seem right someday because lies sound like truth sometimes. And in the end, Scripture says it's death. It's death. Question number two. Godly submission is letting go of pride and living in obedience to God. Is your pride standing in the way of you growing closer to God and becoming righteous? Becoming righteous is not a bad thing. I hear it thrown around, like, flippantly, like, ah, they're so righteous. What is that? What is, like, are you trying, is that some sort of play on guilt to say they're pursuing God too aggressively? We don't want to do that. That's, we don't need that here. Man. What is that? Like, that is dumb. That whole train of thought is dumb. Do not let that statement or that mindset manipulate or place any sort of fill on you that would say, well, I don't want to be too righteous. No. No, that's dumb, okay? We should desire to be righteous. We should be pursuing righteousness. If it gets pointed out and called out by people, that's tough for them. I am. I'm pursuing righteousness. That's what God's called me to. Guess what? I fail sometimes, but I'm pursuing it. If that's a problem for you, Tough. It was a problem for a lot of people that Jesus come in contact with. Remember, they put them in jail. They put the disciples in jail. These guys are so righteous, we don't know what to do with it. Just lock them up, you know? Somehow, somehow, even in those circumstances, the chains that they were locked in still advanced the gospel. And that was way beyond some name-calling and petty, like, being cut out of things and not invited to things and whatever, because the two righteous... That was like, get them out of here and lock them up. We're tired of dealing with them. That sort of righteous. First Thessalonians 4, 7 says, He has not called us to be impure, but to be holy. You know another word for holy is righteous? He's not called us to be impure. He's called us to be righteous. To be righteous. Did you know that the holy and righteous are the same thing? I have a serious question for you, church, and we should get loud at this point. Do you want to be holy, church? Yeah. Do you want to be holy? Like, this is a real thing, okay? This is something that you should be loud about. If you can't get excited about this, I don't. there's nothing that we're going to do that's going to excite you. I, I promise you, nothing. I don't know what you would ever show up and expect to see here on the stage or what story you would show up and expect to hear that would make you feel like that was a really special time, okay? But if there's not desire inside of us 
to pursue holiness, we should set down. We should set down. Got me excited. So how do we pursue righteousness then? That's the question. How do we pursue righteousness? And what does that have to do with submission? That's the question. I got three, three verses that deal directly with pride. The first one is this. Proverbs 3.34 says, The Lord mocks the mockers, but is gracious to the humble. Check this out, church. Humility is the opposite of pride. Humility is the opposite of pride. I don't know what you think about God and, and how he acts, but here's a picture of God that doesn't get taught in Sunday school, okay? He mocks the mockers. Like, whoa, what? There's some things about the characteristics of God that I might have missed. But it's right there. But he's gracious to the humble. James 4, 6 says, God opposes the proud, but favors the humble. Pride is in opposition to God because it doesn't like it. Uh, because he doesn't like it. Pride stands in the way of godly obedience. God stands, or uh, pride stands in the way of godly obedience. You got that? Like, that's the thing. That's the, that's the disconnect. That's the holdup. Pride is standing in the way. 1 Peter 5.5, 5, in the same way, you younger men must account, uh, uh, must account the authority of the elders. And all of you serve each other in humility, for God opposes the proud, but favors the humble. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Give all your way, worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. God's created an order. We're going to talk about that in a moment. These three statements about pride, they're just ringing inside of me. These three statements about pride. The first one is this, pride will keep you out of heaven if it keeps you out of the baptistry. And church, we've got to start saying that to people, okay? Pride will keep you out of heaven if it keeps you out of the baptistry. And we keep skirting that, and we don't want to make anybody uncomfortable, but listen. The Son of Man also will come to judge, And the proud will be on one side, okay? Those that are too proud to be obedient. Those that are too proud to accept their wrong. Those that are too proud to realize they need God, they need a Savior in their life. And they have to submit their will and their lifestyle to Him. God will keep you living in sin. Or, sorry. Pride will keep you living in sin if you can't admit that sin is wrong. Pride will keep you living in sin if you can't admit that sin is wrong. Pride is in opposition to God according to his standards, okay? You know those relationships that you have that you're like, you realize somebody really is frustrated with you and you go to talk to them and you're like, hey man, how's it going, you know? And they're like, oh yeah, it's good. And you're like, hey, we're good, right? Like, we're cool. And Darren's like, no, we're not cool, you know? You ever been in a circumstance like that where you're like, oh, what, what happened? What Sometimes I feel like we may go to God, okay, and our pride is up and our obedience is down. And we're like, hey, man, we're cool. And he's like, no, we're not cool, bro. There's some issues here. 
And it's on God's turf, okay? Like you didn't get to choose whether... God desires obedient children. Okay? He desires obedient children. Again, I'm not, I'm not talking about salvation there. Okay? I'm not talking about you make the cut, you make it to heaven or not. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about what God wants from his people. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about what God desires. I'm talking about what he looks down and he's happy about. Godly submission is letting go of pride and living in obedience to God. Question number three was this. Is being obedient to God important to you? Obedience is found out of submission, right? Obedience is found out of submission. I got a couple of ways that I, that I, I want to throw this out there and see if this kind of resonates along with that thought process. We are obedient at work because we draw a paycheck, right? I'm there at 8 o'clock, not because I want to, because that's what you told me I'm going to have to do if I'm going to get a paycheck. It's as simple as that, right? Yes, I'll take my lunch break. When you tell me to take my lunch break, I'll be obedient to what you called me to because I want a paycheck. Um, In the home, children are obedient because they don't want to get grounded or spanked, okay? I'm okay with the spanking. I hope you are too. Does the body good? Does the attitude good too sometimes? Um, Children are obedient because they don't want grounded or spanked. We don't leave here and drive 100 mile an hour everywhere we go. Why? Why is there any obedience there and submission there? Because I don't want a ticket because I can't afford it all the time. Okay? I'm a pretty good driver. I can keep it between the mayo and the mustard, you know. But I don't want a ticket. I can't afford to, I can't afford to live like that, so I need to submit. Okay? I need to submit and be obedient, and, and, I, and I am. I am. Um, the... In the cost of discipleship, Dietrich Bonhoeffer uh, penned these words, Chief grace is grace without discipleship. Grace without the cross, grace without Jesus Christ, living and incarnate. Chief grace means living as though God ignores or condones our sins, but forgiveness means that sin is real and must be dealt with. We cannot ignore it because God does not ignore it. The denial of sin is not grace. It is a lie. Chief grace means living without the demand of obedience upon us. I thought that was a great statement. You always are pulling from, from Bonhoeffer, you know, and I just seen that. I was like, man, that's great, great stuff there. First John 2, 3 through 6 says, And we can be sure to know him if we obey his commandments. If somebody claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a, the text says, liar. That's what the text says. If he claims to know but does not obey, he's a liar. That, that's big, church. Like that triggers an alarm inside of me of, I should pay attention to this. Like I should really pay attention to this for me. And is not living in the truth. Verse 5, but those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. That is how we know we are living in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. A couple things about this text. Two, two, two things. One is this. Jesus has called us to be obedient, okay? So there's a call right here. 
that Jesus called us to be obedient. The second one is this. Obedience both demonstrates our love for and faith in God. Okay? Obedient. Our obedience demonstrates our faith in and our love for God. I mean, we talk about being a light every week. You want to be a light? I don't think it's all about serving other people outside and how many times you went and served. And that's what it talks about in 1 Samuel 15, 22. It says, the Lord delights more in our obedience than in offerings and suffrages. God wants us to be obedient. He doesn't want us to go through the motions. He doesn't want us to check off the things to do each week. He just wants us to be obedient. To be obedient in our behavior, to be obedient in our actions, to be obedient in our thoughts. And and we know that that obedience is not just a list of things not to do. It's a list of things that we're called to do. God just wants us to love him and to prove it by our actions. Like, he desires that from us, right? He desires that from us. Obedience is an act of worship. And Luke eleven twenty eight says, Blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Blessed are those who are hear the word of God and obey it. So God has established this order, right? This order that's in our homes, this order that's in our lives. My wife loves the order, Okay. And this is what she often tells me. You probably heard it before. It's not like new, fresh, or anything, okay? But it's, it's timely, and it's good. She's like, I love the fact that I'm a wife and that I'm a woman, and, I, you know, I like the fact that I'm supposed to submit to you, right? Because if you do this wrong, you're going to have to pay the piper. And you know what? She's right, fellas. Gal, she's right, like, there's an order that God created, and in that order, there's an order in our homes, there's order in, in the way that we live our lives. In our homes, wives, there's supposed to be submissiveness, and it's not about anything dumb that gets joked about all the time. This is a whole, that's a whole other sermon there, and we're going to leave that alone for right now. But, guys, if you like the order, okay, if you like the order that God gifted us with, okay, If you like it, if you like it that children be submissive, we love it, okay? We love that. It's like applaud when, when like, yes, say that. Children be obedient. You hear him? Did you hear what he said? Right? If you like it, you have got to give them something to follow. You're not off the hook with this. You and I are not off the hook as fathers, as husbands, and spiritual leaders. We are not off the, you will pay up at some point. We will. I'm completely 100% convinced that when I stand before judgment, the questions that are going to be asked is, how well did you lead your wife? How well did you lead your family? Because those are, that's the position that God has put me in authority in my life. It's those. Those matter. You're accountable for that. Guys, we have got to give them something to follow. We've got to. God also established a similar model, similar model in the church. Uh, Hebrews thirteen seventeen says, "Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority, because they keep watch over you, as those who must give an account." Do you get it? It's the same. It's the same example, right? Let me tell you something. The elders of Durian Christian Church, the elders and leaders of any church, they're accountable. They're accountable. 
That's on them. And I put that in the context of husband and wife and family, and I'm like, you know what, my, my wife, she says this to me sometimes. She's like, whatever you want, hon, whatever you think. And I know, like I know, like I know the answer. And I know what she's saying. I know she's saying, I'll, whatever, I'll go along with it. Yeah, yeah. And I know, like it's like, I know. Like in inside, I'm like, okay, time to step up, you know. Godly submission is letting go of pride and living in obedience to God. I have one more question for you, and that's this. What is the sin that so easily entangles us that's mentioned in Hebrews 12? Hebrews 12 says, the sin that so easily entangles. What is that? What is the sin that so easily entangles? I, I'm convinced that it's this. I'm convinced that it's living for self and not for God. I think it's very, very easy to let that slip into my life, even when I love God. That I, that I choose to live for self and not for God. Here's what it looks like. It's very, very simple, okay? Live your life however you want. It's your life. I bought, I went to Quick Trip this week. I walked in, I got corn dogs and egg rolls. I don't know why I got corn dogs and egg rolls, but I set them on the counter, and the woman just judged me. And she said, it's 1130, you're going to eat corn dogs and egg rolls? And I didn't even hesitate. I said, this is my world. <laughs> Live your life however you want. I think it also looks like this. Do whatever makes you feel good. That's like the 2018 motto, isn't it? Like, you do whatever feels good. What is that? I think it looks like this. Do whatever is good for you or benefits you. Do whatever is good for you or benefits you. Those are all false, by the way. Church, God doesn't want us to do whatever we want and whatever we feel. He wants us to love and follow him as obedient children. Anybody have obedient children? Did anybody want obedient children? Do anybody love those days where you're like, these kids have been so good. So good. I didn't even have to tell them. They were obedient before I even spoke. This is incredible. You know, there's a way that we're to live that glorifies the king. Okay? The king, the king that's leading our individual lives as we gave ourselves to him, as we committed ourselves to him. And as we do it and do it well, his name is glorified. Those Regises, they have good kids. <laughs> Let's follow that train of thought, though, for a second. That church at Deering, 
those people are godly people. Godly submission is letting go of pride and living in obedience to God. There's some sin and pride and disobedient issues that you're dealing with. It's okay. It's okay. We're, we all deal with them. We're all some prideful people. But please, I, I want to I beg you. Don't let it keep you from what God has for you. Don't let it lie to you. The lie sounds nice. But it's wrong, it's a lie. There's only one way. And it's Jesus. And it's the life that he's called us to. And I want to end with this. I want to end with this statement. When we start submitting to the will of God for our lives, we find ourselves in places with things and people that we would have never chosen on our own. And it's what God wants for your life. Think about that. When we start submitting to the will of God, we find ourselves in places with things and people that we would have never chosen on our own, and it's what God wants for our life, and nothing will bring you more joy. Church, I love you, appreciate you, be praying for me, I'm going to be out at camp all this week, and then be coming back and gearing up and going back another week, and I am pumped, I am just so pumped to be praying about our kids. Um, as we close up, I'm going to pray, if, if you want to... If you want a prayer for something in your life, um, you know, if, if these are issues, if pride has been the thing that's standing in the way, deal with it, okay? We'll deal with it together. All of us guys, not, a, not only us guys, but, but we, we deal with pride, okay? And there's no place for it in the kingdom. If it's simple obedience things, and it's like, man, this thing has been whipping me for a while and I don't know what to do, let's sit and talk about it, pray about it. And begin to hold one another accountable so that obedience can be gained in that area. And you can become righteous. You can become righteous. Let's pray.